It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines. A panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. Who wants to talk sports on a Tuesday? We do. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with my co-host, the irreverent John Riley. We welcome you to Tuesday bonus coverage. This is Hacksaw's Headlines from our Dixieline Lumber and Home Center studios in San Diego. John, we have an enormous amount of topics on the table. Things are exploding, changing almost hour by hour. But before we get started with the hot topics on the table with the bonus podcast, let's remind everybody what happens at the end, because we are clearing the decks. We want you to be part of this show with what we came up with the idea. It's John's fault. He created it. <laughs> it's called Fans Forum. Describe for the people on live stream how they can join us right at the end of the show. Yeah, it's just like the old 690 days, 1090. You could call in, tip, you know, drop your take. You got a comment or question for Hacksaw. Type it in the live chat on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. We'll see it on the screen. We'll get you involved in Fans Forum. Also, we are starting something new. It's called Hacksaw's Insiders Group. We got things planned for 2024. We'll be making announcements as we go through the next couple of months. How do people join our team with the Hacksaw's Insiders Group? So yeah, so join the team. Go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com. In the upper right corner is an orange box. Put in your name and email there. Get on our list. We're already sending out the best 15 uh, minutes in sports. Great rundown, a recap of everything you need to know in sports. Comes to your email box every day. Just sign up. And a reminder, if you like sports, check my website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. It's all written. You check it. You give me five minutes. I'll tell you every story there is in the world of sports. Our Tuesday bonus podcast is brought to you by Dixieline Lumber and Home Center Stores. Been in business for more than 100 years in San Diego. Nine locations to serve you. You got projects for 2024. These are your best friends at Dixieline Lumber. And by North County Eye Center of Poway and Escondido. Comprehensive eye care, state-of-the-art eye care, basic care to special care. That's who they are. North County Eye Center, Poway and Escondido. John, we got topics on the table. We got opinions to express. I tend to think we'll be arguing about a couple different things today. Go. Well, you said you were going to wear the the maize in blue and you come rolling in in a purple sweatshirt. I got a little bit of a mixed review here, but what did you think of the big game last night? Oh, big boy football. Uh, big time offense. Greater defense, Michigan wins. Hail to the victors. I mean, it was pretty impressive. You know, they opened that championship win over Washington with big plays on offense. 41 and 46-yard touchdown runs just like that. A 59-yard big run. 49-yard pass to their tight end. They kept hitting big plays, big plays. Massive holes because of double-team blocks. They just muscled Washington's defense off the line of scrimmage. Donovan Edwards, who has had three straight years of big games with big running plays, scores the two touchdowns early. B.J. Corum had the 59-yard run, then he scored two touchdowns. The defense destroyed the Huskies' rhythm up front. Michigan's cover corners were superb. They singled against the wide receivers, and for the most part, they did a good job. It was 17-3 before you could blink an eye, 
And then Washington rallied. They obviously changed up. And I kept track of this. After they jumped out 17-3, Michigan did. Washington went to blitz packages in the gaps to try to do something at the line of scrimmage to stop the big plays. Michigan went eight straight possessions, didn't score a touchdown. Yeah. That's lost in that conversation. Mm -hmm. However, it was a long road back for Michael Penix. They were running uphill all night. They eventually cut the lead down to one score. Michigan went to the fourth quarter and said, no, you don't. Then Michigan went to their blitz packages, and they were sending guys from everywhere, and they just overwhelmed Penix. Uh, Penix left it on the field. He did everything he could humanly do. Only sacked one time, threw it 51 times. But he took 11 hits. He took eight pressures. He got hit so much. He was throwing the ball way before the guys were coming out of the breaks. He overthrew three different wide receivers. And as for Michigan, their defense was just phenomenally tough up front. Their defense in the secondary was superb in man-up coverage. And they got the benefit of three non-calls. There were three defensive secondary holding calls. It would have been big plays. Refs never threw a flag, swallowed the whistle. (laughs) Might have changed the flow of the game, but Michigan finishes with typical Bo Schembechler-type Jim Harbaugh football, 303 yards rushing. They just pounded it, 443 yards in total offense. And I thought about this late last night, writing my column for my website. Harbaugh's resurrection is complete. You know, he was hired uh, in place of Brady Hoke. Brady Hoke had been hired after the retirement of Lloyd Carr. All those guys had been hired after Shem Beckler retired. Harbaugh almost got fired. In 2020, John, they were 2-4. and four. They were losing to Ohio State. Mm-hmm. They were getting out-recruited. And there was a huge uproar. Is this the right guy in Ann Arbor? He changed his coaching staff, and in a three-year span, he went from sub-500, which nobody ever did at Michigan, to the national championship. So he's accomplished an enormous amount in Ann Arbor, and obviously now the topic of conversation shifts from this victory to what is next for Jim Harbaugh. A phenomenal season for the Washington Huskies. Unfortunately, they're going to lose Penix are going to lose an awful lot of players here who graduate from uh, Kalen DeBoer's team. Your thoughts, Michigan, your thoughts, Washington, your thoughts, Harbaugh. It was an awesome event. You know, it's just must-see TV. Um, I was rooting for the Huskies. It didn't work out. Penix clearly looked hurt. I mean, did he break a rib? Has there been any um, post-game report on that? No, but I think he might have had a hip pointer. He took so many wicked shots in the fourth quarter, and he just stood in there trying to make the plays. But Michigan, they were so physical up front, and then they decided they're going to send the world to get that quarterback in in that fourth quarter. Went with the blitz schemes. I said, this is impossible. They can't protect him. And that's where all these penalty flags then started to come. Their offensive tackles just could not hold up. And even when they put running backs or tight ends in, to blitz block, those guys got steamrolled in pancakes. So give Penix a lot of credit. What a, a courageous guy to hang in there. What a phenomenal season he had. But hail to the victors. That was some, some performance of big boy football. It was, uh, yeah, it was a can of whoop ass in that fourth quarter, especially. Now, there have been some comments on social media, you know, on our YouTube channel. 
People saying this is before the game. They said Michigan's going to roll them. Washington's never faced anything like this. In fact, when Washington and some of these other Pac-12 schools merge with the Big Ten, you know, they're going to get their head whooped by the lower tiered Big Ten teams like Rutgers and Indiana. Do you see that happening? No. Michigan and Ohio State are in a world and a galaxy of their own. Mm hmm. Please, you can't sell me Maryland and Northwestern and Rutgers and all that, because I I do think that the Pac-12 schools going in that direction, they're going to compete because they got a lot of really good athletes. I mean, we're talking about really good skill guys. Now, that being said, there will be no Penix in Seattle. There will be no Bo Nix down in Eugene. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there won't be any Caleb Williams at, at USC, and UCLA doesn't have the hotshot quarterback who transferred out. So the the schools that are migrating to the Big Ten are not going to be quite the schools we saw in the year of the quarterback this past fall. But it'll be fascinating to see what they do. But Michigan, Ohio State are in a different world than virtually anybody else in that conference. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. I, I got you there. Of course it does. I yeah, said it. Yeah, of course it does. You know, the other thing that I was thinking about during the game is that was the same arena or stadium where they had the basketball final for. Houston. When, yeah, when San Diego State was there. And you see the size of that football field, and you thought, man, when they print basketball, that was like a postage stamp in the center of the stadium. But, uh, you know, Houston's rolling two national championships in two different sports within less than 20 12 months. Yeah. And by the way, they still have the Astros. And they got one of the hottest, got to see this team, Houston Texans. So oh, yeah. Things are kind of cool in the city. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Yeah, Houston's a good place to be these days. Okay, we go from college football. Boy, are there are a lot of things to talk about here on this board about the National Football League. Yeah, just a ton here. The playoffs are going to start playoffs. You talking playoffs? Yeah, so who's in, who's out? Let's talk about, uh, first of all, what happened uh, this past weekend. Buffalo beat Miami. Josh Allen did it. Tua could not. Josh Allen was unbelievable. He had three turnovers early. He threw two really bad picks in the end zone. It was flashback. You're not doing this again, are you, Josh? And then he fumbled the ball in the second half. However, when they needed him to get something done, he ran the ball four times in the fourth quarter for first downs. Keepers, screwball, dive plays. The guy's a gamer. Guy's a big-time player. Josh Allen was the reason Buffalo won. Tua had bad throws. Tua got knocked around. Tua threw an interception. Miami's got a bigger problem. Tyreek Hill is banged up. Jalen Waddell is still not back from the high ankle sprain. Mostert is hurt. And here's the thing. I just can't get this out of my head. As dynamic as Miami is leading the NFL in yardage and all that offense, there are one and five when they play good teams. Wow. One and five. So Buffalo took out Miami. Uh, Houston, Indianapolis. These Texans are the real deal. C.J. Stroud to Nico Collins. Who? <laughs> Nico Collins got 106 receptions. C.J. Stroud's the top rookie quarterback, I think, now in the history of the National Football League. Dev Singletary, who Buffalo didn't want to keep, has had a whole bunch of 100-yard games running the football. Will Anderson, the other number one pick Houston had, aside from the kid quarterback, has had a magical season. and like he's everywhere making plays. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about this, the final play call. Here's Indianapolis going all the way down the field, try to win this game. 
John Taylor lugs the ball eight times in the final possession, and they get down on the doorstep, and Shane Steichen facing a fourth down play, fourth and a yard, fourth and maybe a half yard, pulls John Taylor. What? (laughs) Yeah. Really? John Taylor, who had 188 yards rushing, is standing on the sidelines with his head coach, and they have the quarterback, the gunslinger, Gardner Minshew, deep drop, throws it out in the left flat to a third-string running back, clank, drop the football. (laughs) I mean, I, I thought it was a bad play call. You've pounded it. Why would you not give it to John Taylor one more time, get the first down, and then hope he can go in with a minute five to go from three yards out and get the touchdown? I thought bad play call, bad assignment, third string running back, first time he's catch, tried to catch a pass all season, and then obviously bad player decision, not having your heavy-duty go-to running back in the backfield. So that, that was really ugly, but Houston, what a great storyline they are. Third game. Pittsburgh-Baltimore. Now, Baltimore sat Lamar Jackson. Baltimore sat a lot of people. Pittsburgh. The burning question in the NFL is, does your team improve as the season goes on? Mm. If it does, considering how badly Pittsburgh started, if it does, that's a credit to that coaching staff. For sure. Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. Now, he's still taking a lot of heat. He's only won three playoff games in 13 years in Pittsburgh. But he got these guys to 10 wins. And back in September when you and I were bemoaning what was going on, 10 wins, Pittsburgh? That's not in the same sentence. But say Mason Rudolph manages games. He might be the starting quarterback next year in place of Kenny Pickett. Mm. He just plays consistently. Had a great career at your favorite place, Oklahoma State. <laughs> the Cowboys. Yeah. He had a great career there. Najee Harris really picked it up the second half of the season. Charles Pickens, they finally rediscovered that he was still on the roster. (laughs) Throw the ball to number 14, and they did. Deontay Johnson climbed out of the doghouse. Now the Ravens played uh, a lot of their defense in this game, and the Steelers managed to post that victory. So they get to the playoffs. Tennessee-Jacksonville. Jaguars just absolutely fell apart. Uh, the, The Titans... I guess it's a farewell statement for Derrick Henry. I mean, he ran for something like 153 and maybe his final game in Tennessee. Best game he's had all season. And been a very good team. Injuries at at offensive line. Had to play the backup quarterback, uh, Will Lovitz, who I think has got a future. Might have been Ryan Tannehill's last game. Jacksonville just in an utter state of collapse. They lose five of their last six. Trevor Lawrence had three different significant injuries in a four-week span. And... You could see this past weekend, it was like he was shot putting the football. He had no velocity. He had a big wind-up, which is not not his delivery. That's too, that's too bad. But they're going to have to do some rethinking about whether they have quite enough. You know, what's complicated, they lost Christian Kirk for half the season, and he was their big play guy. So a very disappointing end there in Jacksonville. They lost five of their last six. Rams 49ers, what a coaching job, I got to say, by Sean McVay. Uh, He rested his vets to get ready for Detroit. Puka Nakua has 106 receptions as a rookie. He broke all the rookie wide receiving records in the NFL to go back to, I think it was 1964. Bill Groman of the old Houston Oilers had over 100 catches and over 1,000 yards his first year. Puka destroyed all those records. 
Uh, so that was impressive. San Francisco sat a lot of their guys. But the Rams had to earn this. They've been running uphill since the middle of the season. Is it easy to say maybe this is the best coaching job Sean McVay's ever done? I'm granted he was in the Super Bowl, but that's with a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. This was starting almost from square one, and they got there. And the one other game I'll just mention, uh, this is shocking what's happened to the Philadelphia Eagles. You lost to the Giants. The Giants, who have no talent at all. Philadelphia in a free fall. How could your defense be so poor this year, considering that's almost the same defense you had in the Super Bowl last season, then Jalen Hurts gets injured with a finger injury. Run game has gone away. You lost to the Giants of all people in the NFC East. And I will tell you that that head coach, Nick Sirianni, is under a lot of fire in Philadelphia right now. And there may, there might be some changes coming if they don't go deep into the playoffs. So, John, I, I gave you a litany of ideas about the games played. Your your quick comments. Just uh, first of all, it was a weird week 18. You know, a lot of the stars were sitting. Yeah. OK. And then the teams that I really care about weren't the ones that were, you know, on the bubble of getting into the playoffs. So it was a lot of the games were like almost preseason vibe for me. Um, but that the Buffalo Miami game was was great. I mean, just seeing what Buffalo did going down to Miami and now they went from being, you know, a disappointment to being, what, the number two seed in the AFC? Yeah, they're suddenly hot again. Yeah, incredible. So, you know, I, I always kind of root for Buffalo because Josh, um, what's his last name? Josh Allen. Josh Allen, you know, went to Wyoming, Mountain West. So I kind of always have a little bit of pull for him. Uh, the, the rest of the, the games, just it was just kind of weird. I mean, so like, for example, like Derrick Henry with Tennessee, he's done there, but he's still got a lot of gas left in the tank, right? Sure does, but not very many people are running power football. Right. But he did he crank that sucker up? That was vintage. Derrick Henry, who do you think's in more trouble, Miami or Philadelphia? Oh, I, I'd say Miami is because um, the Philadelphia Eagles are, are going to get their their business straightened out. Miami has been so lopsided, like you said, what one in five, one in six against good teams. Um, the Eagles will figure it out, and I don't really have much worry about them. Okay, you're a football fan. Fans Forum chat box is open. You got a question. We're going to give you some answers when you write us. So join us for Fans Forum. Our Tuesday bonus broadcast is brought to you by Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. I don't care what project you're talking about in 2024. You're going to need the right people to get you the right material, maybe give you the right ideas. Those people, Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. And our bonus podcast is brought to you by North County Eye Center of Poway and Escondido. From glasses to contact lenses, cataracts to glaucoma to cornea issues, extensive screening programs for people of all ages, vision tests right up to the IPL dry eye treatment. You got questions, you need help with your eyes, you need North County Eye Center, Poway Escondido. John, we go from games on Sunday to what we call Black Monday. Yeah, a lot of roadkill on the, on the streets these days. A lot of co- co- coaches looking for jobs. Okay, we'll jump around here. Let's start with the New England Patriots. That's the first logo that's there on the box. Uh, Bill Belichick has changed his tune. For the first time, he revealed some inner feelings about a 4-13 and 13 season and about his career. Belichick telling the media he is willing to give up his player personnel job responsibility if that's what Robert Kraft wants. Belichick wants 
obviously, to continue coaching in New England. He's owed $25 million on his final contract, the final year. The burning question, does Kraft, which they have a high draft pick, does Robert Kraft want new leadership to make the decision on what they do with the third pick in the draft, which is going to be one of the marquee quarterbacks? Does he want a complete change? And there's the bigger question, compensation. He's owed $25 million. Does Kraft want a draft pick from a team that definitely wants to talk to Belichick? Would he just cut Belichick loose if Belichick gave back the final year of his contract to New England? At this point, it's fascinating. No decisions have been made. There is a sidebar story to that. Longtime linebacker Jared Mayo stayed with New England, stayed with Belichick. Most people of the opinion he is the potential head coach of the Patriots, if not another NFL team. So Kraft may hire a general manager. Belichick serves the final year. He may hire a general manager. Mayo takes over immediately. If Belichick gives back the final year of the contract or some club is willing to give New England some form of draft pick compensation for Belichick. All things Foxborough, what do you think? Uh, yeah, that was interesting, what we're hearing about Belichick, because how old is he? He's 71. In 71. So, you know, that's a lot for a 71-year-old man to be running player personnel and a head coach. I mean, he's probably at the facility from dawn to dusk every day. And so maybe is he thinking... I'm going to give up my my player personnel because, really, I don't know if I'm in a position to handle it anymore. If you're Robert Kraft, how do you handle a separation from the greatest of all time? Mm. But is he the greatest of all time? I mean, without Tom Brady, he was nothing much. And even before he got to New England, he was a problem in Cleveland and with the Jets. I mean, so is he really that great? I mean, he's got the rings, but that's Brady, not Belichick. Okay. We'll see where this goes. There was a shocker on Tuesday morning. I did not expect this to happen. Tennessee fires Mike Vrabel, Titans coach. He was 41 and 21 when he started. Last two years, 13 and 21. This is a bit of a shocker. Franchise in a bit of transition, but it appears they have the quarterback in place. They're going to have a volume of cap room if they don't bring back Derrick Henry, if they get rid of DeAndre Hopkins. They've been beset by an awful lot of injuries. That was a bit of a surprise. Now Vrabel becomes a possible candidate in New England. Hmm. Was he played for eight years? He's in their Hall of Fame, Ring of Honor. That's right. Keep that in mind. If Belichick is allowed to leave or steps aside or retires, so Robert Kraft can choose from proven coach Mike Vrabel, who gets his guys to play hard, as witnessed by what we saw last Sunday in a lost season, or Jared Mayo. And, of course, Kraft will hire a new general manager. Washington, goodbye Ron Rivera. Great guy, nice gentleman. Bad situation, the last shreds of the Daniel Snyder organization now gone. Rivera, 26-40-1. The status of the general manager, Martin Mayhew, to be determined probably within a week. I would assume there'll be new owner Josh Harris will sweep the board clean. They never solved the quarterback issue in Washington. It, it obviously wasn't Sam Howell who got sacked 69 times this year. It, it obviously wasn't Carson Wentz prior to that. It wasn't Robert Griffin III, uh, the, it, it, DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, uh, 
the uh, quarterback who's at Ohio State who passed away. Um, at the end of the day, Snyder kept imposing his will. Choose this guy, play that guy, da-da-da-da. It, it, it claimed Rivera's career. So Ron is gone from Washington. Atlanta hits the eject button on Arthur Smith, 21-30. and 30. He went 7-10 and 10 every year he was there. Ownership gave Arthur Smith the right to hire anybody he wanted. And that was a big issue in terms of his staff and in terms of drafting. They drafted quarterback. They drafted running back. They drafted wide receiver. They drafted tight end. And they were still 7-10. and 10, So Arthur Smith is gone. The Giants blew out a chunk of their defensive staff. Instead of the head coach, instead of the general manager, because they got a ragtag roster, they just decided to let people go. Don Martindale and three assistants were let go. On top of that, you got the Saquon Barkley impending free agency. He says, I want a breath of fresh air. I would assume Barkley is going to leave the New York football giants. In Jacksonville, a miserable finish. And now the Jaguars, Doug Peterson, Tuesday, this morning, fired 10 assistants. Well, virtually his entire staff, his defensive coordinator, and virtually everybody on that side of the building. So he stays. There's going to be tremendous turnover philosophically. Doug Peterson holds on to his job, but everybody else pays the price. And, and, you know, then we get to the Raiders and the burning question. What are you doing with Antonio Pierce? He went five and four. Players have spoken up, said he's the man. Mark Davis yesterday told every assistant, coach and staff support guys, you are free to talk to other clubs if you want. Mm-hmm. Does that mean Antonio Pierce won't be back? So keep keep that in mind. And Carolina fired their general manager, Scott Fitterer. This came, of course, after the midseason firing of uh, Frank Reich. 14 and 37. That's what was his record was as general manager. I think the burning question there, who the hell wants to work for David Tepper in Carolina with a track record of having fired three coaches, three head coaches in nine years, two general managers in nine years, three interim coaches that he thought would be the solution, also gone from Carolina. So, yeah, I had a busy Monday and Tuesday (laughs) keeping track of what was going Mm -hmm. on. Maybe we're done because there's been some real bloodshed around the league. So, John... Pick a couple of those teams off the board there. What do you want to talk about? Well, there you had eight logos there. I think seven of them they fired. The eighth one was Belichick, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, But then you have the Chargers that are going to have a coaching opening. Are there any other NFL teams that I'm leaving out? So, yeah, th- there's one more. Uh, it was Chargers, Carolina. He asked me too quick. Uh, I, th- I think there's seven or eight coaching openings, whether you include Belichick at this point in time. So do you think a lot of these other franchises are thinking, hey, maybe we can get Harbaugh? And if Harbaugh is the, the sexy name that they're all going to compete for to get, then who's the number two or number three coach that's on the hot list? Because it seems like Harbaugh is a miles ahead of everybody else on their wish list. I think Harbaugh can choose any job he wants, and now he can start interviewing because he's a college coach. The other teams have to respect the Rooney rule and the structure of who you interview, when you can interview them, and how many minorities do you have to interview for these positions. So Harbaugh is hot candidate one, but hot candidate 1A has to be Belichick. Ah. If Belichick and Kraft part ways, then Belichick can go somewhere else. Washington, Carolina, possibly, maybe the Chargers. But Belichick, I don't think, is coming in to be anybody's 
general manager and coach. Mm-hmm. He's coming in strictly to be a, a head coach there. Now, in terms of the other hot candidates, we, we spin back to the question we talked about last week. What's the difference between giving a veteran coach a second chance or have the veteran coach have the words recycled coach <laughs> stapled yeah. to his driver's license? Right. Retread. Retread, yeah. So it's a burning question. You know, Dan Quinn, Dallas, reinvented his career. Mm-hmm. Raheem Morris, defensive coordinator, Rams. A lot of people really interested in him. Uh, Brian Flores, who's great defensive coordinator, suing the league. Oh, that's but, right. But yeah. he's a candidate that I think some people will take a look at. So you got veteran coaches who didn't get a jump somewhere else, now back in the mix. And then you got this year's flavor of the month hot coordinator. Is it Ben Johnson, Detroit, for what he's done with Jared Goff? Mm-hmm. Is it Frankie Smith down in Miami, who's created this tidal wave of this, this Miami offense with Tua? Uh, going to be fascinating to see. But I think I think Harbaugh is one. Belichick status is 1A, and then the coordinators, and then the guys deserving a second chance. Well, let, let's say you are the owner of an NFL franchise, and you've got to make these big decisions. Do you like the idea of having one person be in charge of player personnel and coaching, even if they're brilliant? Do you want to put all your eggs in that one basket, or do you prefer to have those as separate jobs? Well, first of all, you know, you talked extensively about Belichick, New England, and his track record of failure in player personnel decisions is monstrous in the last three to five years. And his old school decision, I'm not paying volumes of money to veteran free agents, that hurt the Patriots, a different way to do business now in the NFL. I, 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 in terms of Belichick, he had a lot of administrative people beneath him that did all the scouting and all that. Now, he might well have had the final say as to who were drafted after he took all the info from those people out in the field. So it's not like he was the only one that was looking at tape or interviewing players, etc. There was a whole infrastructure there. That being said, it's a monstrous job. And I think you need, all honesty, from all the years I was in the NFL, you need point-counterpoint. Yeah. Granted, the general manager will probably make the decision. But you want input from every one of your coordinators and and as they evaluate the kick return guy, evaluate the wide receiver group, evaluate the running backs, the quarterbacks, etc. You got to have counterbalance. It just can't be boom, Bill Belichick wants this or boom, Jim Harbaugh wants this. It's not enough hours in the day. You really need good support staff. If you're asking me who I'd want, I think Harbaugh because he's accomplished so much at both levels. 49 mm-hmm. and 14 in San Francisco, mm-hmm. 76 and 25 now at Michigan. And he's obviously got a whole staff of Michigan assistants that helped him rebuild this thing. And he's got NFL contract contacts all over the place through the Harbaugh family name. So I would think Harbaugh is hot candidate one. And if I'm looking for a short order fix with credibility, it's Belichick as a coach only. Mm. That's the way I would do it. Uh, my third name on the list is Dan Quinn. I think he did a great job in Seattle. That's when I first met him as a defensive coordinator for Pete Carroll. He went to Atlanta, had some success, actually got those suckers into the Super Bowl, and then it fell apart. He's reinvented everything in Dallas defensively. I'd say he's my third hot candidate on my list. And John Riley says... Well, Dan Quinn is an interesting guy, but first of all, he's a grown-ass man that wears his hat backwards, which is kind of weird. But, uh, you know, he definitely is a rising star. If I'm I'm in charge of a... If I'm an owner 
I definitely want a, a, a duo. I want a GM and a head coach that are separate people. Obviously, with the same vision, the same philosophy. But to your point, they need to be able to argue about things and, and come to some resolution. I just think that there's all these new rumors that are floating around in social media that Harbaugh might go to the Chargers, might go to the Raiders. I mean, there's a lot of places that he can land. And then I wonder if people are going to really want Belichick because you'd only have him for maybe a couple of years, you know, even if everything went really well. So, you know, what's best, you know, for the long term of your franchise? So it may be the Ben Johnson or the Dan Quinn giving these coordinators either the first bite of the apple or their second. I think the other piece of the equation, ownership. You look at the laundry list out there of jobs open. Spanos. I mean, they're irrelevant in the L.A. market. However, I think the Charger job is excellent because they got Justin Herbert. That's item one. Yeah, but they also have Dean Spanos. <laughs> Washington. Now, the cupboard's bare. Right. That's a big issue. But they got like $78 million in cap space. And they got a new owner, Josh Harris, who has a history because he came from the NBA of putting whatever it takes to get it done to get this team on the field, on the table, get to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think Josh Harris and the Washington job, but, but the, the cupboard is barren there. Well, did, did you see the news how Josh Harris hired the GM of the Warriors to yes, help in that search? as a consultant. Yeah, so like NBA guys kind of getting into the NFL. It's kind but of interesting. he also got an NFL guy, Rick Spielman, mm-hmm. as, as a counterbalance to the hiring of Bob Meyer to kind of lead the drive. Right. So you got Washington. Third one, Atlanta. Uh, that's a great owner, Arthur Blank. They, they need a quarterback more than anything else, and they're going to be drafting high. So I think the Atlanta job is probably pretty good. Carolina, dealing with David Tepper. Now, granted, they've got Bryce Young, the young quarterback, but, boy, that was a miserable season. I went back and looked. In the last seven games for Carolina this season, Bryce Young threw touchdowns in only one of the final seven games. Really? Maybe the worst modern-day offense I think we've ever, ever seen. So I don't know how good the Carolina job is because the owner's a crazy man. And then you got the Raiders. <laughs> and you got Mark Davis. And a history of bad drafts. Right. And salary cap issues. And no quarterback, really, to speak of because Jimmy Garoppolo is leaving. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how good that is, even if you're in Las Vegas and the casinos and Allegiant Stadium and history of Raider football and all that. I tend to think the Charger job is the best one, Spanos notwithstanding, because they got what nobody else has gotten. Proven commodity at quarterback, just need the right people around them. But and, they have the salary cap problems, though, right? I mean, exactly. they're going to lose like all these uh, big-name players. They're going to have to cut some people, that's for certain. So they'll have Justin Herbert, but Khalil Mack and, and uh, Keenan Allen. I mean, we don't know if those guys are coming back. But they have the fifth pick in the first round. They have the fifth pick in the second round. That's pretty good. And Herbert's already in place. There you go. Okay. Hey, we get to halftime. Couple of business items. I want to remind you, coming up right at the end, John, Fans Forum. Are you challenging your best friends to join us in the chat box? Explain it. Yeah, so you can get involved in Fans Forum. I'm just looking at the names here. We've got George and Angel and John and Gary, and you can get involved too. Just just type in your comment or question in the live chat on Facebook, uh, YouTube, or Twitter, and we'll get you involved in Fans Forum at the conclusion of Hacksaw's Headlines. And what are you doing in your spare time? 
we want you to be part of our team. We're starting something new here called Hacksaw's Insiders Group. We're going to roll out some things in 2024 that you're going to have an opportunity. Now, you're going to get mandated to be involved in. But how do they join the Insiders Group? Yeah, so just get on the list. Go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com. In the upper right corner is an orange box. Put your name and email there. Get on our list. We've got a lot of stuff going on. Sending out some emails periodically. Get on board. Join Lee Hacksaw Hamilton's Insiders Group. And check my website because I write on it every day. And by the way, since we're working so hard on behalf of this podcast, which is exploding, over 4,000 subscribers in about 14 months, and all the stuff we're doing on social media, you are allowed to give us a thumbs up. You are allowed to give us a five-star rating because we do like that. So we hope you'll be part of our team. We get to halftime, brought to you by Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. John, multiple choice exam. Dixie Line Lumber. Help you with your cabinet projects, help you with your patio lighting, or help you with windows yeah. or all of the above. All of the above. Doors, windows, kitchen, bath, decking. Plus, it's a hardware store. Plus, it's a lumber yard. So if you're doing any renovation in your house, you can go there. You can you can talk shop with you know guys in the lumber yard, you know, or you can go work with the, the designers. They'll help you plan out a kitchen or a bathroom remodel. You got projects? Your best friends. These people. Dixie Lunt Lumber. And our Tuesday podcast is also brought to you by North County Eye Center of Poway and Escondido. 11 specialists there to serve your vision needs. Four surgical specialists, too. Serving the North County since the 1970s, North County Eye Center. You have problems with your eyes. You want tests done on your eyes. You need glasses. You need contacts. You need procedures. Talk to them North County Eye Center, Poway, and Escondido. Back here with our Tuesday bonus podcast. We covered all things football. We want you to join us in the fans forum right at the end. If you've got questions, we've got answers. We go from that. We go to baseball. And this is not a good story. No, it's not. I've been getting little piecemeals of this deal about Wander Franco. What's the latest? Superstar shortstop Tampa Bay signed an 11-year, $182 million deal and at midseason was removed from the Tampa Bay Rays roster. It is a crisis of huge proportions in the Dominican Republic. He has been charged with having a relationship with a 14-year-old girl in the Dominican. He's been charged and the mother of the girl has now been arrested. She took $82,000 in cash and a $36,000 car to allow the relationship to continue for a four-month span. He's also under investigation for relationships with, quote, two other minors. He's not been charged in that case. He's been on baseball's administrative leave. Once the judicial process is completed in the DR and they determine what the sanctions are going to be, and it could be minimum two years prison, maximum six years prison, he's going to get removed from Major League Baseball for an extended period. You know, this is baseball that took Trevor Bauer out for 192 games because of sexual misconduct. This is baseball that removed the Pittsburgh relief ace, Felipe Vasquez. He's serving a three-year prison sentence for the exact same charge that Wander Franco is under investigation for. This is a really ugly story. I don't think he's going to play baseball for a chunk of next season, if at all next season. But the Dominican Republic court system has to come up with the decision 
as to what type of sanctions they hand down to him. The fact that the mother agreed to, quote, allow her 14-year-old daughter to have a relationship with a baseball player and took all this money, wow. Well, first of all, Trevor Bauer is innocent. <laughs> he, he was set up by a gold digger and got scammed. Um, but Wander Franco, I mean, yeah, that's like the mother is like selling the daughter into slavery or something like that. It's crazy. Wander Franco is a damn fool. I mean, the guy's making hundreds of millions of dollars on his contract. He could have like his selection of any beautiful, you know, intelligent woman out there. And yet he has to go for these 14 year old like girls. I mean, come on, man. What are you doing? I mean, just foolish um, on his ha- um, his behalf. I I think he's going to probably be found guilty in a court of law. It's got to be because he's even boasted about it, how he knew it was a risk, but he did it anyways because he loved everything about it. It's like, come on, man. Absolutely. And when all the bank accounts and all the canceled checks they have, he was paying the mother on a monthly basis. Yes. So the relationship could, con- I mean, it's, it's staggering. You may be a great player. It does not mean you're greatly intelligent. Exactly. Period. Exclamation point. Crazy story. Go from that, because there is still baseball free agency out there, and here we are marching towards mid-January, John, and... Boy, there's a lot of guys still out there on the open market. Yeah, look at that big board there, man. I mean, there's like a lot of big names. Well, the bigger question, who's got any money left to sign guys? Did guys make mistake by hand staying out of free agency so long, hoping there might be a better deal coming? The Yankees are in on Blake Snell, but I can't see the Yankees giving Blake Snell of the Padres a seven-year contract at $25 million per season. I, you know, out, outside of, I guess, the Garrett Cole contract and the Yamamoto Dodger contract, why would you give a pitcher with all those miles on his arm already having had elbow surgery a seven-year contract? But Snell is still out there. The Mets were in on him. They seem to be out of it. The Angels seem to be out of it. I don't know where San Francisco is because they haven't made any real significant deals outside of the Japanese free agent uh, that they signed. Uh, Jared Montgomery, I said Jordan Montgomery, I think is going back to Texas. <laughs> he has shopped himself around. Right. And I don't think people are willing to give him term length of years. Mm-hmm. I think they're willing to pay him 20 to $25 million. I hear he's going back to the Rangers. Josh Hader, Padres. Um, I wonder if all the things he said at the end of last season chased some people away about, I can only pitch one inning at a time. I don't want to pitch back-to-back days, etc. I hear Baltimore is in on him late, but I don't think it's going to be a mega, mega contract for Josh Hader. Shoto Imanaga, he's the other Japanese pitcher that's still out there unsigned. Uh, I heard the Mets are back in on him. Red Sox and Cubs were also in on him. Have heard nothing on Julio Urias. The district attorney has the Domestic abuse case in front of him has not yet ruled whether Urias will be charged. Trevor Bauer is out there asking for a job. Nobody's picked up on him. I wonder if the injury factor at the middle of the season that wiped out the rest of Marcus Stroman's great season with the Cubs has kind of haunted him because his market seems really less than I would have imagined. Clevenger, the ex-Padre, the ex-Indian, the ex-White Sox, he's had so many physical woes. He probably winds up in a one-year contract, but he can still pitch. The thing is, can he hold up? Cody Ballinger, I don't understand this, except that he wanted a $200 million package. And so I have to reflect back on Cody Bellinger. One great year with the Cubs, 
one great year with the Dodgers and a bunch of lousy years in between. So I don't think he gets $200 million. I hear Matt Chapman, the Blue Jay, might wind up in San Francisco. And these are the other guys that are still out there. More DH than anything else, Jorge Soler. Justin Turner's kind of running out of places to go. J.D. Martinez is getting some play from the Angels and other teams. Jock Peterson's strikeouts, I think, have really worked against him. That's why he's out there. And super utility guy Gio Urshula, he had over 300 for the Angels, but I'm surprised he's not gotten more play. But maybe he's more of a part-time player. Uh, Maybe he doesn't have the great gloves, so he's got to go to a DH situation. So, John, that's a lot of names on the board. Pick a couple there you want to yak about. Well, first of all, the Angels need to get Snell, right? I mean, that makes just too much sense. At seven years? Yes. You know, Artie Moreno needs to step up and replace Shohei Otani. It's called credibility. Yes. Okay, and then Imanaga, I would love to see him go to the Giants because they were in on Yamamoto. That didn't work out, so maybe he goes there. A lot of those, you know, DH guys like Soler and Jock Peter. Well, first of all, Jock Peterson is a punk. That's a guy that, you know, I, I, I never like him uh, when he's playing ball. I uh, hope the Padres don't sign him. But there's those, those guys are like DH types, you know, and so you wonder how valuable they are. But your point that you made to kick off this segment is interesting. Who has money left? You know, because we were noticing the Padres are banging up against the ceiling. They're trying to get, you know, I mean, the Dodgers have spent a billion. Um, but, you know, some of these other franchises, I don't know if they're prepared to spend 25, 30, 35 million a year, even for some of those good players like Hater. We shall see. Is the price coming down? That's the burning question. By the time we get to the finish line with Blake Snell, we'll be fascinated to see years and average salary with him. Okay, we go from baseball. Let's talk hoops for a minute. Hoops for a minute. Yeah, San Diego State rolling right now. and got news about UCLA, too. Aztecs 13-2, and two, beginning the march through the Mountain West Conference. Now, a tough game coming up. They got New Mexico on the weekend. They're 13-2. and two. They have really battered everybody they've played. Uh, it's fascinating for me, for just Brian Dutcher's ability to develop players in this role as a young player so we can grow you to be a complete player. I mean, what what they did with Jadon Ledee in terms of redshirt, role player last year, best man maybe on the West Coast this year. Oh, yeah. That's impressive. And then you look at what the growth we have seen since the first night of the season, the growth we've seen in Elijah Sanders in Jay Powell and in the kid three-point shooter, Miles Bird, just fascinating. Dutcher, that's a really good teacher, a really good coach. Yeah, I mean, they talk about culture all the time. Very few one-and-dones that go through this program, mm-hmm. which is kind of makes it different. Uh, but I think Jaden Ledee, I mean, he's got to be one of the top three players in, the, in all of the NCAA. If it wasn't for the big guy in Purdue, maybe Ledee would be maybe the player of the year. He, well, but I think if we project Ledee to the NBA, I think we're projecting power forward and not projecting post player. Well, and, and that's what he wants to be. He sure. wants to be the guy that can hit the from the elbow, hit the three on occasion. I mean, he's going to be a great pro. Um, and I, I'm just thrilled because the Aztecs have, well, I think like four guys in the NBA right now, maybe more. And uh, Ledee is definite. You know, or else the Chargers could sign him and he can play tight end. Okay, so we go from that coach, Brian Dutcher, and that program at San Diego State to this coach, Mick Cronin. That place, UCLA. I would have never imagined this was ever possible. UCLA, which 
lost a lot of players. Guys opted out, went to the NBA. They are in trouble. They've lost eight of their last ten. They are six and nine on the season. They've dropped four in a row at Pauley Pavilion where the people are A, booing, and now B, not going to games. This is Pauley Pavilion. And he went nuclear after back-to-back losses to a lousy Cal team and to Stanford. His post-game press conference with the media was brutal. He threw his players. He buried his team, tossed them under the bus. It's not him. It's on them. I've never heard a coach say that, especially to a newly constructed roster that includes four Euros that you went across the seas to get with promises that these kids were going to be great. Among his quotes, this young team has to learn. You can't learn. You can't then apply it in games. The rate of progress of you guys, zero. Hey, don't call your mommy and cry. And hey, don't go to the transfer portal. There's 1,900 guys already in front of you. He's buried his team. How's he going to rally this with that type of attitude towards a really young team and a collection of European players that are trying to adjust to culture, academics, and this level of basketball, which is really different. And then the intangible, John, what kind of message does it send to every other recruit or a parent of a recruit that might consider going to Poly Pavilion to play at UCLA? You want to play for this guy? I don't understand what Mick Cronin's doing. Please explain it. Well, it's ridiculous because you should praise in public and criticize in private. And when you throw your guys under the bus, I mean, yeah, you're right. That doesn't reflect well on the on the culture and the organization. You would never see Brian Dutcher do that or Steve Fisher do that. I mean, not in a million years. But, you know, we've always thought really highly of Mick Cronin and his history. And, you know, up until now, he's been pretty well received at UCLA. In fact, you were saying UCLA might go to the final four with that talent. It's not working out the way they had planned, but come on, man. I mean, you you, you got to handle that job differently. You can't be throwing your guys under the bus while you're in front of the public. It's just nuts. You're supposed to be a leader. Exactly. You're not supposed to bury these kids. They are kids. Exactly. And I can't imagine how hard it is for the 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 big forward from Africa who's moved here. Played well early, really struggling. The kid from France, the kid from Turkey, they're going through a really tough basketball learning curve, culture and academic learning curve, and this guy is banging them. Now, there's no doubt that Mick Cronin's freaking intense. He's always intense at mm-hmm. UCLA. Prior to that, Cincinnati was unbelievably intense, but he got results. I've never seen a coach just do this to his own team. Well, plus the academic workload at UCLA is no you know walk in the park. Exactly. So these players have a lot on their plate. So we go from college basketball to hoops. To hoops, yeah, Golden State Warriors. I mean, some big news here. The end of a dynasty, end of an era? Yeah, I think end of an era. In one week's time, they welcome back Draymond Green. Steve Kerr helped put him into counseling. Draymond Green went through intensive anger management counseling. He went and met with Commissioner Adam Silver and wanted to retire, said, I'm done. Silver talked him into coming back to be a leader, to be an ambassador, to be a key member of Golden State. So this is a very fragile situation that Kerr's got with Draymond Green. He's got a problem with Chris Paul, CP3, fractured hand, gone eight weeks. 
and he was supposed to be part of the glue to hold them together. He's got a problem with number one draft pick, John Kuminga, who they've been grooming. Kuminga goes public this week. I can't play for this guy. I'm not improving under this guy. They're going to trade Kuminga? That was supposed to be part of your future. He's got a problem with Clay Thompson. Last year of the contract, a lot of injuries. This guy's had a really nice career. They offered him a two-year extension, but they wanted him to take a pay cut from 43 mil to 25 mil. Clay Thompson said no. He's still not playing well. And then nobody's playing any defense. I thought I'd seen bad defense from the Detroit Pistons, who are 3-33. and The other night against Toronto, which isn't a great team now because they're trading players away, Golden State gave up 78 in the first half to Whoa. Toronto. Whoa. Steve Kerr, he got a lot of problems on his hands right now. I don't know if they're all his making, but he's got a lot of problems. Well, the the Warriors have been on a run now for, what, about 10 years or so? Sure. Maybe a little more than 10, 11 or 12. A lot of mileage on Curry and Thompson. Oh, no doubt. But, you know, you look at all the other, like, uh, you know, blue blood franchises like the Lakers and the Celtics, even when they are at their best, they only go like eight or 10 year runs. And then, you know, the players get old and then they have to you know flip the roster over. So I think you're right. I think this might be the end of an era. But, you know, good on Silver for trying to like lift up Draymond Green because he needs that kind of support. He's got some, you know, soul searching to do in terms of how he wants to behave in public and what he wants to be known for. But I think if he would have hit the eject button, that would have been a bad look for the Warriors, for the NBA, and for Draymond Green. Well, Steve Kerr said right out of the gate, we are not going to bury this guy. Yeah. We're going to help this guy. Exactly. And they put him into, I want to say, 28 days of counseling. He missed 12 games total. Mm-hmm. And then they welcomed him back. Now, that being said, we'll see if he controls his emotions on the court. Or is this conversation going to be replaced by the next conversation? Why did you do that? Mm, yeah, I mean, we're going to find out. Okay, we go from NBA basketball. Well, the interesting stories in hockey. Hockey. I mean, we got the Blackhawks, you got the Leafs. What's new? Uh, let's start, first of all, with Toronto. I don't know how they're going to pay all these guys. Toronto's leading scorer is William Nylander. He just signed an eight-year, $92 million contract. That's more than $11 million per season. And this is a franchise that's already paying volumes of money to superstar Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, John Tavares. I mean, it's, it's hard to believe that Toronto is still beneath the salary cap, or maybe it's next year they go into salary cap hell. But they signed Nylander to an $11 million plus per contract, which is just above what Austin Matthews is getting, which is just above what Mitch Marner is getting, and which is just above what the veteran John Tavares is getting. It's absolutely amazing. In Chicago, we talked about Connor Bedard, number one pick, the 18-year-old. Oh, yeah. He's had a really good rookie season. Nice. And he flies, and he's gifted. He's got all types of shots, and it's it's like open ice is all around him every time he gets a puck on a stick. He got plastered at center ice by a New Jersey Devils defenseman, fractured his jaw. It was a jolt. It wasn't a cheap shot. He didn't hit him with one of these, but he hit his shoulder into Bedard's shoulder and hit one up and fractured his jaw. So he's gone six to eight weeks. Blackhawks were beside themselves. I mean, it was almost a riot on the ice against New Jersey after Bedard went down. That's a big issue there. And he's the only thing they got in Chicago. So that's a big, big setback. Okay, so we go from money and cheap shots <laughs> to a trade that came out of nowhere. Yeah, the Ducks making a deal with the with the Flyers. Yeah, this is a stunner. 
It's a stunner from both sides of the country. Anaheim traded their top young defenseman, Jamie Drysdale, who's been in the NHL since age 18. They traded Drysdale on a number two pick to get the top young sniper for Team USA's national team. His name is Cutter Gauthier. He's from Sweden. He's playing at Boston College. Philadelphia drafted him a year ago. Kid's got 13 goals for BC already as a 19-year-old. And he scored 26 goals in international competition for the U.S. national teams. The Flyers say they drafted Gauthier with the fifth pick in the draft. The kid said, I will sign. Then the kid decided he'd go to Boston College. As an 18-year-old, Flyers said, okay. Then the kid came back and said, I'm not signing in Philadelphia. And the Flyers kept the line of communication open as this, this kid went to BC and started really play like a superstar. The kid stopped talking to him. He refused to meet with their scouts. He refused to return phone calls and texts. So Philadelphia's coach, John Tortorello, who's just this side of being a hothead every minute of every day, <laughs> John Tortorello goes public and says, that's okay. We don't want you here now. Mm-hmm. So they trade Gauthier to the Ducks. Who's on the Ducks? Sweden rookie Leo Carlson, mm-hmm. really good hockey player. Nice. Granted, he's hurt right now. So the Ducks pay a price, but the Ducks have so many young defensemen up there and a bunch here they're trying to groom with the San Diego Gulls. So Gauthier goes to the Ducks. He'll be part of five young forwards and a ton of cap space next year. So it's a fascinating trade. I was stunned that the Ducks gave up on Drysdale. And I'm equally surprised Philadelphia said, we don't want you here anymore. That's an amazing turnabout. Well, good on the Ducks, you know, kind of building, you know, their roster up. But I want to go back to Connor Bedard because I, I just remember when the Kings uh, had Gretzky, they also had Marty McSorley, who was like the tough guy that would protect Gretzky. Where was the guy protecting Bedard for the Blackhawks? He went after, he was on the bench. You can't come off the bench in the NHL and get suspended. Hmm. Next shift, he went after the devil defenseman. Uh, yeah. But it was, I saw the video. It was a brutal hit at open ice. But Bedard made the mistake, wheeling through center ice, looking down for the puck, and he got blasted. You know, you keep your head on a swivel. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And, you know, (laughs) you can always poke the the puck and go find the puck, Mm -hmm. but you can't let a guy line you up. And it was a jolt. But he hit him with a shoulder. He didn't do any of this. It wasn't a blow to the head, but the force of the hit. Was it a penalty? No. 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 It was a legal hit. Hard really? hit, big boy hockey. Wow, he got smoked. And I never, I never saw Gretzky ever take a blow like that. Mm-hmm. So, that's a big story in the NHL. One final note here: this is this is a big story in soccer. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy maybe before my time paying attention to soccer, but this is one of the greats. His name is Franz Beckenbauer. If you follow soccer, you know who this guy is. He's the one that saved the German national program. Franz Beckenbauer has passed away at the age of 78. He was an icon from Germany. He won the World Cup as a player. He won the World Cup as a coach. 103 international appearances for the German national team. Twice, two times, Ballon d'Or, the man of the year in pro soccer. Make a note of that, John. Okay. He saved the German program. He resurrected German soccer, which had done virtually nothing since World War II into the 60s and 70s. And he was also one of the first guys from Europe that came to play 
in the early years of the North American Soccer League. He played, I think it was for the New York Cosmos. And of course, he was there. Shep Messing, the goalie, was there. And then Pele came Mm. uh, to play in NASL, but revered. uh, He passed away at his home in the middle of the night. Uh, But what you talk about, a, a man who left a big imprint on European soccer, him, German soccer, him, Franz Beckenbauer. Yeah, and, and German soccer continues to this day to be one of the top teams in the world. Uh, but he was there before, he was at the um, the Cosmos in New York before Pele. So is that what you're saying? I believe it was, yeah. Oh. I remember seeing him one time uh, at a New York Cosmos game, and he was just so gifted. And obviously I've seen video of when he played in World Cup soccer and what phenomenal guy. Of course, the German style is big and strong and mm-hmm. tall and push the ball up the pitch and play physical and take the take the heart out of your game at midfield and go in and score. Uh, but, boy, what a great talent he was. Whew. Okay, our Tuesday bonus podcast brought to you by North County Eye Center of Poway and Escondido. North County Eye Center, basic eye care to special eye care these are the people you should contact North County Eye Center. And by Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Stores, nine locations to serve you, been in business for more than 200 years. you got projects, they will be your best friend to complete the projects around your home and business. Dixie Line Lumber, Home and Center Store. We are ready. John's got a lot of friends lined up here to take shots. This is his segment, Fans Forum. John? Okay, well, I just want to get a couple of quick ones in here from George. He goes, best darn 15. The phone lines are lit. (laughs) Bleeping brilliant. All right, let's go to Angel here. He says, the 2023 Texans reminds me of the 1992 Chargers. Everyone expected them to finish last, but they got the last laugh by winning the division. What a job. What a job done by D'Amico Ryans. We had talked about this way back in the summer uh, when we were first starting our podcast, that that they went into the marketplace, and yes, they hit the jackpot with C.J. Stroud, but they had no players. And they went in, I think they signed 24 free agents, street free agents, and then they went in and I, I think they added like 21 more undrafted college free agents. And they hit on virtually everybody they brought in. And they picked up refugees uh, from everywhere. And those guys have plugged into the system. They got a stroke of good luck. They've had no catastrophic injuries at all this season. There's about three teams in a league that can say that. Uh, But C.J. Stroud has just made phenomenal gains as a thrower. So they're going to be fun to watch in postseason. And we do our show on Thursday. We're going to, we're going to do the wild card weekend preview. But uh, that's a great quarterback. And what a job D'Amico Ryans has done. You know, they normally vote coach of the year. John, mm-hmm. you went 14-2, and two, coach of the year. Right. Hey, D'Amico went 10-7. and seven. He gets my vote as coach of the year because he did more with less. Look what he accomplished. And by the way, he's playing next weekend. Yeah, well, for sure. You know, my son just moved to Houston, and uh, he, you know, he's kind of switched his team, his allegiance to the Texans, and he figured it was going to be a long haul before they were good, and now they're good again. But I want to go back to Angel's comment here. What are your what are your uh, memories of the 1992 Chargers? Well, nobody expected anything. Bobby Ross started out of the gate. Might have been 0-4. I think that's what it was. And yeah. People were barking. You hired this guy? I mean, they were barking at Bobby Bethard like, you hired this guy? <laughs> well, I knew Bobby Ross's background, what he'd done in Kansas City as an NFL assistant coach, and obviously what he did at an impossible place to win Georgia. He won a national championship at Georgia Tech. 
Mm. Not Georgia. Georgia Tech. Wow. So I, I just I knew the track record, but it takes time. It takes time to the they had to get a quarterback. They got Stan Humphreys, but it took time to get him into the system. And they were piecemeal on players together. But the foundation that was laid in 92 became what they were in 94 that put them in the Super Bowl in January of 1995. It takes time to build things. Well, I, if I'm going to make sure I have my facts straight, but I remember they were around 0-4 in 92. And on your show on 690, you said... They're gonna they're gonna win out the rest of the to season. Run the table. Run the table. And I was like, no way are they gonna run the table. So That's you're a, the one that thought I was a dumbass. <laughs> and they they all I think they only lost one game the rest of the way mm-hmm. until the playoffs. So. Um, and that's when I remember I went to that playoff game against Kansas City, and I remember the Chargers. It was in Qualcomm, and the Chargers I think lost. It was in the rain, wasn't it mm-hmm. in the rain? Um, and I I remember after that, that's when I got season tickets um, up through the to the late nineties. But yeah, ninety two is when we had hope finally for the Chargers. Well, there was a foundation there, but it takes time. That's what makes what D'Amico Ryan's has just done absolutely amazing. Yeah, year one and you're out, you're in the playoffs. Good for him. Hey, let's go to John here. He says there's also rumors about Belichick and Harbaugh going to D.C. and Atlanta. I'm waiting for the rumors about either going to Nashville to begin. Uh, I don't know how stable the Nashville organization has. There's been a lot of turmoil there, and Vrabel lost a power play with the general manager Ron Carthon. That's what I mean. I was so. Stunned on Tuesday morning when I found out that Vrabel had been dispatched out of there. But everybody's going to make a run at Harbaugh. He'll have his choice. Uh, Belichick, Washington makes sense to me. Belichick, Atlanta, Arthur Blank has great respect for him. I guess that kind of makes sense to me. I don't know if Belichick to Carolina makes any sense at all just because David Tepper's a crazy man. Uh, and Belichick to the Chargers, only if Harbaugh elects to go somewhere else. You know, and Belichick and the Raiders, that's that's a rumor out there, too, just based on his track record. Well, do you think Belichick, if he came into any organization, would he be the tough guy kind of, you know, setting them straight? and Or would he be like, oh, like the young players that say, oh, yeah, you're from another era and not really take them seriously? What do you think? Oh, I think you know, got the rings. Mm-hmm. System works. His defense played really well this year. A lot of young guys and had a bunch of injuries. Their problem was they had no quarterback. Had, offense was anemic. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, no, I think Belichick's resume impresses everybody. So I'd, I'll be fascinated to see if he stays and ends in New England and how it's carried out. If this is indeed the final year. Or whether, and he's already said, I'm willing to give up player personnel. So you bring a new general manager in who's going to secure the players. I'm doing my job. This is the quarterback I'm drafting at number three. And this is what I'm doing in free agency. Here's your roster, Bill. Coach it. Mm. It'll be a very different world in New England going forward. But he's already said he's willing to give up the player personnel part of the equation. You know, it's interesting is usually you see players at that very end of their career go to another team that and only hang around for a season, if that. And I'm wondering if Bilicek is kind of a similar thing, you know, kind of like how uh, Joe Namath went to the Rams or Johnny Unitas went to the Chargers. Yeah, but those guys are at the end of the career. I think what you do is you go back and look at New England, veteran players, great veteran players you thought were, quote, hanging on, they want to win a ring. Oh, that's true. Yeah, like, like Seau was another example of that, right? Seau, Rodney Harrison, Randy mm-hmm. Moss, Corey mm-hmm. Dillon. They went to New England to be coached by that guy because that guy puts teams in the playoffs and gets them to the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, so, not without Tom Brady. <laughs> oh, that's true. Next question. <laughs> okay, let's go here to Gary. He says, nobody wants to work for Spanos. Eli was right. It's interesting that 
Gary brings that angle to the conversation. I thought about this this morning. I don't know anybody who has left the Charger organization that feels good about having to leave. Everybody was peeved. General managers, coaches, mm-hmm. players, employees, just broadcasters. Um, <laughs> every relationship that they touch ends up really bad by the time you get to the finish line. Is that them? Is it the culture of Team Spanos, first family of football in last place? Or is it just the nature of the NFL that everybody gets to the end of the road somewhere? Well, I remember when that all went down and San Diego fans are like appalled. Like, how could anyone say they don't want to play for the San Diego Chargers? And now we look back on it and it's like, yeah, they were right. You know, I mean, Eli went and won, what, two Super Bowls and Phillip Rivers never lived up to the potential, largely because the supporting cast around him wasn't good enough. Well, Rivers, Gates, Tomlinson might be the exception to my my statement. But that's because Father Time's clock ran out on those superstar players. But organizationally, just never able to put good people around them. And the good people they had leading them, they all got fired. (laughs) Fired the Hall of Fame general manager. Fired the Hall of Fame coach. They fired a Super Bowl coach. They fired a 200-win head coach. First family football. Right. They fired the Hall of Fame announcer. Unbelievable. Damn right they did. Yeah. Okay, move on. Moving on. Let's go to 4RXLA. MLB needs to do something about these mega million deferred contracts the Dodgers are giving. What happens when the deferred payments are due? Well, the total revenue in baseball, like the NFL, like the NBA, like NHL, goes up every year. You will have expiring contracts. So when the deferred payments come up in 2036 for Otani or these other guys, Yamamoto, etc., all these other contracts will be off the books. Now, I don't think we're ever going to have a salary cap in Major League Baseball, but the luxury tax will stay in place. So there's great revenue there. And keep in mind, the international amount of revenue the Dodgers will pull in from Japan Airlines and all the other corporate sponsors with Pacific Rim ties, it's going to be an anomalous. It's, it's going to be like a $50 million boost in sponsorships, you go to Dodger Stadium, you tell me how many Pacific Rim companies will be advertising at Dodger Stadium this year because of Showtime and Yamamoto. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I expect when I watch a game behind home plate and when they have the ads there, we're going to see a lot of Japanese writing. Um, it's it's definitely going to be a culture shift there. That's exciting, I think, for Major League Baseball in this internationalization of the sport. But, you know... How are they are they going to make these payments? You know, that's some of the one of the things you wonder about is sixty eight million just to one guy. You know, passing passing out. The Dodgers are probably going to be have no problem with but it. That's but. over a ten year window, so it's only six million a year. Okay, you know, that's a utility man on mm-hmm. a roster. That'll be fascinating. I th- I think the bigger issue, and this will be another argument for another time. The bigger issue is it good for baseball that if we have seven marquee teams. And 25 other cities that just have teams that can't compete with the seven marquee. That sounds like the NBA, right? And the NBA is pretty successful. Now, granted, NFL's got that revenue sharing model, uh, but I don't see Major League Baseball going that way at all. Okay, we move on. Okay, we got another, uh, actually a great baseball question here. This is from Ben. He says, any insight on Mark Sweeney being let go? Well, I've been told that uh, this has all got to do with the Bally bankruptcy and the TV deal. 
uh, that Mark Sweeney is not coming back. I've been told that Annie Heilburn is not coming back. They're all victims of budget cuts because MLB has now taken over the broadcast. I don't know what Mike Pomerantz's status is as of now, uh, but we're 30 days away from spring training, so we'll get to find out. They didn't do anything wrong. They did good content. I thought the Padre TV package was cool. I thought it was diverse. It was dynamic. I like all those people. Um, but at the end of the day, when MLB had to take it over because of the Bally bankruptcy, they looked at the volume of money spent and said, okay, we'll get the Padres through 2023, but in 2024, the structure is going to change of how we're going to operate, and they're reducing the number of employees that are part of the game day broadcast. But they didn't they didn't do anything wrong at all. They did good TV, but they got caught up in the bankruptcy. And it's it's happening other places. There are I think there's at least eleven more baseball teams that have really have an uncertain T V contract situation that's still gotta be resolved as to whether MLB is going to take over the streaming service and just run the thing like they did last year with the Potters. I thought I thought Major League Baseball did a phenomenal job. But they knew they knew going in that there was a lot of trouble with Diamond Sports and Ballet Sports in terms of probable bankruptcy, and they had put their foundation in place. They hired three Fox executives to operate what would be MLB streaming, and then the Padres were the first one in, and you know, you got Arizona, you got Texas, you got the Pirates, you got the Reds, you got the Indians, or the Guardians. There's a whole bunch of them out there that still have issues, but baseball, they did a phenomenal job in about a three-month window that this might happen to put that thing in. Because outside of the channel change, you didn't notice anything different about Padre Baseball. It was still what they had been in the past in terms of serving the fans. They did a great job. Well, the the game was the same. But I liked that pregame show that mm-hmm. they had and in their postgame show. I thought Pomeranz and Sweeney did a good job. Um, and, you know, remember a number of years back, they had the Padres social hour yeah. where they would kind of hang out near the gift shop and they'd bring guys in, sit on the couch and talk. That was kind of fun, too. But then I remember all of a sudden there's no pregame and, and it felt a little weird at first. But, you know, Sweeney is an interesting character because he has great insight of the game. Obviously, a former player has success, but there's a lot of fans that just don't like him. They didn't like his commentary. I, sometimes I wonder if people are just so in love with Mark Grant that when Sweeney was doing the color on occasion, you know, he just never lived up to Mark Grant. He was different. And then I think the fans bagged on him. Well, I think you can have point counterpoint. I don't want cheerleaders every minute of every day. I want somebody that's going to raise questions about why this situation exists the way this situation exists and express an opinion. And I I tend to think they do. I thought Sweeney did a great job of pointing out this problem with that team or that player. Not to be critical. He was a player. You know, he hit 212. He also hit 282. (laughs) Yeah. So now I I think the the total broadcast was – was really good. And I'm I'm sad to see anybody get laid off as witnessed by what I went through right around Christmas. <laughs> really? So okay. that's where we are. We'll see what happens with the Padres. But I think, you know, there's two probably won't be part of it. Maybe there's a third one, too. Well, let's see. We got another Dodger comment here. This is from Dave E.K. And by the way, Tim Todd wants more Dodger discussion. <laughs> so uh, Dave says, Bellinger won't get $200 million because he's a mammoth pothead. It's obvious in his Dodger years, he, he can be good if he's straight. Well, they they fixed him at Wrigley Field. Yeah, I mean, he did have a big bounce back season. What did he hit? 306, 27 home runs. Because those two prior years. That was misery. Now, Scott Boris, the agent, said, well, that's got to do with the shoulder, and maybe it wasn't rehab correctly. 
hard to say what's fact, what's fiction. At the end of the day, that was a lot of money to pay a guy hitting 197 or 206. That's why the Dodgers let him go. And a lot of other people say, okay, which is the real Cody Bellinger? What we saw early on with the Dodgers, the MVP season, what we saw last year, regular field, or the bunch of junk in between. So price tag's probably coming down on him. I am surprised. I hear Toronto is back in the conversation, which surprises me because I think the Blue Jays need pitching. They don't need another bat, although Matt Chapman obviously is not going to be re-signed. So Bellinger will sign. The thing is, just like Blake Snell and these other guys, what's the term years and what's the dollar value? Well, it's interesting with Bellinger because we always kind of focus on the ups and downs with his bat. But the dude defensively, center fielder, he's actually very good. Yep. Um, and I always forget that because I, mean, I usually I first thought of him mostly as a first baseman. But yeah, there'd be video shots in the dugout of uh, of Bellinger and the dude had glassy eyes and you were kind of <laughs> wondering what was going on. But if he's got his life straightened out and he's you know working out and he's Focus on playing ball. Yeah, he may be worth it. Let's get a couple more in here. Okay, let's get some uh, some social media comments here, and uh, let's go here about the little Jim Harbaugh discussion. This is from uh, G Green and says, "Yeah, man, hire Harbaugh. Three and six against his rival. Two and seven in bowl games. Lost twenty seven games in nine seasons at Michigan. Didn't do squat at Stanford. Created the misfit Kaepernick. Has been suspended twice for lying and cheating. Yep, great hire. Lo." Well, empty the bank for him. GG <laughs> Renee standing on the sidelines. Oh, he's over there on the street corner by himself. That's the only negative that I've heard about Jim Harbaugh. Uh, I'll, I'll throw this at you. He has had enormous success. However, he wears people out. And his relationships, by the time he gets to the finish line, aren't real good. I know about USD. And I know about Stanford the finish line. And I know about the end in San Francisco. And we're looking at a bit of a story here in Ann Arbor that nobody's talking about. (coughs) That's the posse. That's the sheriff at the front door in Ann Arbor. Mm. That's NCAA violations are investigating COVID recruiting. And I know what they just did to the University of Tennessee for the exact same stuff. I can believe Michigan's going to get tagged here for COVID violation. Now, whether Harbaugh knew That's another question. Nobody quite can understand how junk can go on in that football program and him being a control freak, not having any knowledge of it. But, I mean, the record is the record. And by the way, look what he put together in Ann Arbor and look what they did with that game last night. Well, I don't think any NFL teams are worried about the, you know, alleged cheating at Michigan with Harbaugh. They just want a winner. Um, But I'm surprised that Harbaugh survived the season because he was suspended twice. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm amazed that he was able to coach there, you know, for the championship game. But, you know, if the Chargers sign Harbaugh, you know it's going to (laughs) fail. Something is going to go wrong because of the Chargers track record. You just can't give up the word chargering, can no, you? No, not at all. I mean, I just kind of root for them to kind of choke. It's funny that way. All right, here, let's go to Masando. Uh, he says, Riley and Kiffin and other coaches have no right to say anything about players leaving or sitting out bowl games, seeing as they have done the same thing, leaving at season's end and leaving their kids hanging. The vast majority of players go to these universities to play for the coaches, not for some sense of loyalty for the school. Then the coach bails because they got a new gig and leaves them high and dry and now these kids are doing this they complain well i think there's utter chaos and i think it's been destructive to football and i do think uh, we're doing this podcast one year from tonight 
I think the transfer portal will be different. I think the NIO will be different. I think the NCAA is going to get an antitrust exemption from Congress that will help them take total control. Uh, Players have a right to obtain money. Players probably have a right to transfer. But the calendar has to be changed. These kids should not be opting out of bowl games because they're waiting to get an offer in the transfer portal. You ruin the bowl games. You're destructive to the bowls, and these are supposed to be special events for the community as well as for the football programs. The thing is totally out of control. It'll be brought, I really believe it's going to be, Masandro, I think it's going to be reeled back in by the NCAA within one calendar year. Well, I think Masando brings up a good point because there's hypocrisy, you know, because because Riley left Oklahoma right after the regular season and, and they had to bring in what Stoops to manage mm-hmm. or coach the, the bowl game a few years ago. So that ain't right either. So, yeah, I think the whole NCAA needs to get their house in order. John Riley's found Christianity while doing <laughs> this podcast with me. The stuff that comes out of his mouth, right versus wrong. Let's do another one here. All right, let's go here to a little Padre comment. And this is uh, about the Wu Su Go. Uh, and he says, what credit is there to give A.J. Preller? He's leaving us in a big hole with no center, center field or left field. Yeah, please don't please don't give me a starting opening day lineup with Profar and Azucar in your outfield <laughs> slots. Uh, but he went out and he, he got people he could afford, and I think that's the big issue. Uh, and he got two really good players from Japan, and he's got pipelines there. He knows he scouts there, and you've heard me use the phrase boots on the ground. That's all part of Padre baseball, scouting everywhere to find guys, and he convinced these guys to come here at a little bit different price tag. They got very affordable pitchers. And I got to believe these guys can pitch at this level, which will help you. And I'm not saying that we're biding time till the next wave of kids get here, but we're probably biding time till Rob Snelling is ready to come to Major League Baseball. Maybe that's half a season. Maybe that's the start of of next year. Um, Add into the equation, granted they got holes at left and center, and in the equation, I got to believe these veteran players who collectively hit like 130 points below their career averages. Mm-hmm. I got to believe these guys are going to hit back. These guys will be better this coming season. And by the way, you got a new manager. And I think this manager is going to be given some free, free room to lean on that guy that we're going to do it this way. And it's not going to be a country club anymore. And I don't care who you are. And I don't care how much money you're making. I, there's a rough edge to Mike Schilt. I think these players are going to find out about pretty soon. So I'm hoping there's a bounce back from the everyday players. And I think the two Japanese guys will be quality acquisitions. They're still wafer thin. Injuries are part of the equation. We'll talk more about this, you know, within 30 days when we go to the Cactus League. But AJ got two pitchers, so he's still got two slots to fill. I don't know how he's going to fill them. Well, I think... um, uh, uh, Escape my mind. Bad. I, get, I, I get brain locked too. <laughs> Sometimes. Well, I want to talk about uh, one thing here with um, with Schilt. And you were saying, you know, he he could be a tough guy. But did you see him? He was in the Dominican Republic at the Winter Games there, and then Tatis, you know, to support Tatis. And now the the Padres let Tatis play through the playoffs there. I think that's a good move. You know, trying to build relationships. And if, imagine if Tatis comes back to what he was, we may not miss Juan Soto too much. Imagine if Tatis runs into a wall or steps in a hole in the Dominican playoffs, meaningless <laughs> playoff games. What would you say then? Oh, yeah, or gets on a motorcycle. But I, I think some of these other guys like Jackson Merrill, some of the young kids, I think we might see them maybe make the Major League roster this year. A little year. bit sooner than later. Merrill probably sooner. Snelling, no. Snelling and Lasco, who are the top two young pitchers, they've, they've got to do it at double A and maybe even get a taste 
of AAA. Hey, listen, we hope you have enjoyed our Tuesday bonus podcast. Our podcast brought to you by Dixieline Lumber and Home Center Stores. Nine locations to serve you. Got projects for 2024. You should talk to Dixieline Lumber. And by North County Eye Center. We all need to have vision tests. We all have issues. These people will help you. North County Eye Center, state-of-the-art eye care, Poway and Escondido. John, Thursday, we're doing a special different time podcast. We're going to start Thursday at 3 o'clock, going mm-hmm. into the Great Sports Weekend. And then we'll bounce back next week. We'll be back on with a Monday bonus and our Thursday bonus, both at 1 p.m., next week. And we're going to do NFL playoff preview, right, on Thursday. Damn right we are. Yeah, that's right. Playoffs, baby. Hey, we thank you for joining us. Hope you enjoyed what we're doing. Hope you'll be part. Tell your friends, share, subscribe to Hacksaw's Headlines. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. Touchdown, San Diego! For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.